Um, so we are, I think, at point four from last week. <coughs> point four from last week. The three stages of sanctification. I don't think I went over this chart last week, did I? Yeah, yes. I did. Does anybody remember? Oh, it is not a straight line. Okay. I had it in my notes to not do it yet, but you know how I get. So, um, The three stages of sanctification. Uh, the first stage of sanctification begins at regeneration. And so if you look at the chart, what I have by your sanctification is this red line. Important to remember that before we were converted, before we became Christians, before the Holy Spirit regenerated our hearts. I know we did talk about that. Um, and it's interesting, just an aside and a bonus for you guys who come here, you'll get a little more out of the sermon. At the very end of the prophecy in Joel, he says, all who the Lord will call. Um, so it's not some New Testament doctrine or something that Calvin figured out, but this idea that uh, God will call and the promise in Joel that God will call and those who God calls, he regenerates and they believe and they repent. They're justified, they're adopted, and the process of sanctification begins. So um, this first stage then would be right here where a Christian is freed from sin's dominion. Sin now has no power over them. Well, it has no authority over them. It has no rule over them. It does not define them. And it is a huge step, that first step, huge. And often it is accompanied by big changes in a person. Um, depending on the age, depending on uh, your background, but when, when a person is converted, when regeneration happens, um, there is that first stage. So uh, in your notes, I think I put Titus 3.5. Paul writes to Titus, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes in our Bible Belt culture, you'll see uh, billboards and signs and handouts. Uh, we're going to have a revival. And um, revival is sometimes not the right word. Revival means kind of bringing back to life. Regeneration means you know, new life, life from something dead. Um, and so oftentimes if you hear me pray missionally at times, you'll hear me uh, pray for a new great awakening. Not necessarily a revival, not, not let's make Christianity great again, but new growth, new hearts, uh, conversions from dead to sin uh, to saved. Um, so in Romans 6, we're going to spend quite a bit of time just looking at these different verses in Romans 6. Uh, and I hope that when we get there uh, in Romans 6 in 2023, that a lot of this stuff will have categories in your mind now. You'll be like, oh, okay, I know where that fits in, and that makes sense to me. Uh, that's, that's the argument that the apostle is making in Romans. But in Romans 6... Um, 11 and, and 14, you consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So um, it is a way of thinking. I consider myself dead to sin. It doesn't reign over me. It doesn't define me. It has no power over me. 
uh, and in verse 14, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Um, I want to just say that this, this idea that it begins at regeneration, it begins at salvation, um, there's several applications. Number one, we should never say, in this life, I am completely free from sin. We never say, I'm, 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 I'm done with it. I will not sin anymore. Um, it's an interesting thing as you study Apostle Paul, and, and we'll look at this when I go to the cross chart later, but the Apostle Paul's awareness of sin grows as his actual sinfulness decreases. Two, we should never say that this sin has defined me. I give up. I've had a bad temper. I've had sexual desires. I've had fears. I've had anger. I've had pride for 58 years. I don't know why it's 58 years in there. <laughs> um, and I'll be that way until I die. You'll just have to put up with me. That's the way I am. That really should not come from a Christian. I put 58 years because I've been working on things, maybe not 58 years, but a good 50 of them. Um, but a Christian should never say, uh, God's done working with me on that. He worked with me a few years back. Um, and I'll just tell you, as a, as a Christian, that I've had those moments of thinking, I am so glad I'm through wrestling that sin. And then when it, when it shows back up, there is a real sense of discouragement. Okay? And, and because, oh, I thought we were done with it. I thought I was done with it. I didn't, think, I didn't think that would bother me anymore. Or something will happen, and it'll trigger something again. Like, oh, where did that reaction come from? You know, or, or what? How, did I, how did I fall into that? Um, I thought I had learned better. I thought I knew better. Um, so a Christian should never, ever say that there is this level of fallenness or sinfulness um, that... God, through the Holy Spirit, is not going to gradually, maybe whole, give me victory. Does that make sense? Um, and, I mean, we can be honest, as people, we have, we have things that we wrestle with. Um, sometimes we don't like Christian community as much as other community, because Christian community might notice those, might, might bring it out. Um, and uh, good friends might challenge us <laughs> on that. If it's a way of relating or um, pride or anger. Or, um, for the Christian, it, it really shouldn't undo you. It, it, it shouldn't. And it is something that those outside the Christian faith also should understand. A Christian doesn't have to defend their righteousness. We don't feel like if, if the world finds out that I'm a sinner, the world finds out that I went along with all the rest of the guys and, and did this, said this, acted this way. Uh, if the world finds out I'm a Christian, then their view of Christ and Christianity will be smashed. If the world finds out you're a Christian, then you have an opportunity to say, this is what God has saved me from. Um, I feel guilt over that. Um, I, I, I can't continue sinning, and I think I probably told you guys this my first semester of college I was like I have been under this regime of uh, Christian morality and I've missed out and so my first semester of college was like I'm not gonna miss out no one's gonna know I'm a Christian I'm gonna say yes to every party I get invited to 
and I couldn't enjoy it. It was just this weird, I just couldn't enjoy it. I tried, I couldn't enjoy it. And, um, and I realized it was, it was God the Holy Spirit in me saying, you don't need this, 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 this. Uh, I'm with you. And um, also, I'm not going to allow you to enjoy your wandering away from me. I'm not going to turn you loose. Um, third, uh, maybe this is an important one too, we shouldn't expect non-Christians to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Um, so non-Christian people, they may change, they may grow, um, and, and they, may, they may choose Christian morals for some uh, reason or another, but we, we really shouldn't hold them up to this and think they're getting closer to becoming a Christian because they've accepted some of our morals. Um, they don't have God the Holy Spirit working in their hearts. When, when someone reminds them of some shortcoming or some falling, failing, some, uh, some, something they lack. Um, they have no Christ to fall back on. They have no gospel to fall back on. They have no His righteousness to fall back on. Uh, and, and so they may change it depending on their behavior. I think that's what we've seen in our country. Christian morals kind of ruled the roost for maybe a hundred years or so. Um, and so lots of people acted Christianly because that's what our culture accepted. So... Um, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. Can someone read that for me? <coughs> 6, 11. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Mm, read the verse before that, 10. Go back to 9. Thank you. Isn't that amazing? And such were some of you. A reminder to the church in Corinth. And such were some of you. Um, I get goosebumps as I even say that. What a what a beautiful thing. And such were some of you. Uh, it's it. There is absolute providential, sovereign purpose. The date and the moment that your heart is given to Christ. And such were some of you. Some people come to Christ and they're like, oh, I wish I would have grown up in a Christian family. I wish I would have had this. I wish I would have had that. Um, and, and they wonder, you know, 30 years or 40 years or 50 years. I think I told you I had a guy come up and was converted in St. Louis who was 60-something. And he was just undone by the waste of his life. And I'm like, no. It, it, this is the day of your salvation. And, um, and, and there is purpose behind all of those, uh, all of that wandering. God will use it. Such were some of you. So in the PCA, we've had, um, uh, you know, in, in the PCA circles, we've had a church in St. Louis that left the denomination. And part of that had to do with uh, the idea of sanctification. Um, uh, a pastor saying, this is the way I am, these are the desires I have, and it defines me. And I cannot expect in this life to be freed or rid of those desires. 
And so it wasn't really a sense of, of questions of sin. It was questions of sanctification. I'm sorry you struggle with this sin. I'm sorry that you have desires that are sinful. Those desires should be repented of. They should not. You should not make um, peace with them. Um, but some of the arguments, if you, if you read about uh, Greg Johnson, Memorial Presbyterian, that's really what it came down to. Romans 6, 16, the apostle says, But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin, so I wrote down here, slaves, when we talk about human free will, it's an interesting concept because some people want to fight for this human free will. When the Bible says, apart from the work of the Spirit, you are a slave. You, 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 are, you are enslaved, entrapped. He says, uh, you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So, at regeneration, sanctification starts. And, and, and what our God is, is aiming to see uh, done, and what we should hope that we see done, is a change of our primary love, our primary concerns, our primary desires. We, we, we embark on what is called a pursuit of holiness. We pursue what is right and good. That is upon us to seek the Lord, to apply ourselves to His Word. Now that we've been freed from feeling guilt and shame of our sin, we open His Word and say, what does a godly man, what does a godly woman, what does a godly husband and a wife and a child, and what, what do they look like? And, and we pursue that. We pursue it arm in arm with other believers in a church. And so we have a membership vow number three. Let's see if I can remember that one. Do you now humbly promise upon divine grace that you will endeavor to live upon divine grace that you will endeavor to live as becomes followers of Christ? It is a commitment we take in public, it's a commitment we take with each other, saying this is the life that we, we see ourselves called to. So we have a pursuit of holiness, and as I prayed earlier this morning, that, that pursuit of holiness, the, the Holy Spirit, we ask Holy Spirit, convince me that that is the best, that it is the right thing. And we go through processes of, of repenting of evil desires. Um, so I wanted to redo a little bit of this cross chart. Um, so, you know, we've been through this a ton of times with, with you all, but think about it again in reference to sanctification, okay? You're dead to sin. On the day of your salvation, you put your trust in the work of Christ. The green is God's holiness, and the S is our sinfulness. The red line is sinfulness. Green is God's holiness, okay? So, um, and, and so, as I've taught this over time, the work of sanctification happens in two ways. As we are in community with God, as we study both who He is and who we are, our, our love for Him, now again, I've, His holiness doesn't change, but our apprehension of it, our understanding of it. He slowly, gradually, you know, He put Moses in the cleft of the rock and allowed His shadow to pass. He, he because He loves us, doesn't... doesn't overwhelm us with His holiness and glory. But over time, we get to understand more and more and more. 
And also, over time, we find sinful things, sinful behaviors. And uh, the cross chart always talks about that the gospel should be bigger in our life. Now, I changed it by adding this little dotted line here. See the little dotted green line? The dotted green line is really our actual holiness. All right, so um, when we talk about already and not yet, and that's on the other chart, um, when, when we are converted, we are already accepted in Christ. So we are already treated. We are declared righteous. But we are not yet what we will be. So I have at your death that you are now glorified. <laughs> like my chart, Mary? <laughs> I, I actually sat there and thought, should I put a smiley face on there? Because, yay, now I'm righteous. Uh, but then I, I didn't know, so I just left it. All right, here's how we have to do it. Well, I'll do it like this. I'll do eight. How about a circle? Uh, yeah, so um, so when you, when you come again into worship, or in the morning or the evening, or whenever you have a, a time with your Savior and the Spirit and God's Word, um, you should not be overwhelmed when, when God's holiness and otherness um, makes you feel I, 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 um, away from me, Lord. Uh, like Peter says, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. When he, those, those moments when he realizes the abject beauty and glory and holiness of God. Um, one, of the, one of the best ways that we as people aid in sanctification is by believing our justification. Okay, so um, by, by believing that I have been declared right from now and forever because of the work of Christ, I, I am in a state where I may receive correction. I'm in a state where I'm, you know, it, it, it is like being in a, in a, in a safe environment. And we're in a safe environment with God. We're in a beloved son-daughter environment with God. And so when our Father by himself, by his Spirit, or by other people points out there are still sinful areas that need to be repented of, he is not rubbing our face in it. He is, as I say it over and over, he is freeing us from the power of it, freeing us from the guilt of it, freeing us from the stain of it. So... Um, now, here's the other thing. So, we pursue holiness, but holiness also pursues us. God pursues us to make us holy, to make us right. Um, he has been called the hound of heaven that will not leave you alone um, because he intends to make you right. So I think it's important for us to think about, uh, even in our life, and if we draw a timeline of the next 20 years for each of us, um, what are we aiming for? What are we going towards? You know, an, an athlete, I mean, it's, it's been fun watching Isaac grow up. Like, I remember, like, I can dunk a golf ball, you know, and then can I dunk uh, a tennis ball, right? And then, can I dunk standing on two feet under the goal, right? All these little movements and, and pushing. Like one summer, it was like, I'm going to work on my free throws. I'm, how many can I make out of 10, you know? Um, 
it, those are the easy things, right? We, we can pursue those things that can be marked, but um, for a Christian, it is right and good for us to have goals. You know, as we approach January 1, to sit down before the Lord, and some of those might be mechanical. Lord, I, w- I want to know more about this. In you. I want to know more. I, I want to I learn one book of the Bible and really, really just understand this. Um, Lord, I, I would love for you and I and a close friend or two to work on this issue. Father, can we work on this together? Can we make this? This is 2023's. Um, I, I, I want to be less judgmental of others. I, I, whatever it is. Um, as a child, and those of you who have children, it's interesting that the Ridgy values, does anybody know what the Ridgy values are? I mean, they're all pretty good stuff, right? I mean, they're not, it's not like our Ridgy value is deception, right? Our Ridgy value is able to cheat other people. But, but you get it, even in the secular world, that there is this sense that character really, yeah, it really does matter. Um, and uh, we want to push them towards that. Um, I, I joke about this. My dad always had these crazy ideas. Uh, and as I was cleaning their house out when they moved, I came across this video of raising poplars for money. <laughs> it was like a VHS. And, no, 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 it wasn't poplars. It was rias. It, there is a ria is a, uh, it's like an ostrich, uh, uh, but it's a smaller version of the ostrich. And uh, that's what it was. And I, I looked at it, and Mom still had her mind. She goes, that almost cost us our marriage. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, what do you mean? And then I remember Dad talking to me about it every time, you know. Uh, and then he had this board game that he was working on. He was trying to sell Mattel. And the board game was called Making a Name for Yourself. And, um, and you would do all these different things to make your name great, um, to be somebody. So um, the, this first stage of sanctification is we become aware and I think in a beautiful way, we become aware that we were actually made for something better. We were actually, we were actually made, and, and in this life, there can be victory uh, over many of the things. So I would say maybe that first stage, we have, um, uh, what was I going to call this? Maybe an external idolatry. So early on at conversion, there's this external idolatry that might be clear to us. Um, I remember uh, one older man that came to Christ in our church in California. He, he, he quit drug use and smoking the day he was saved. Just never went, never went back to it. Just It had cost him his family, his job, pretty much everything. And, and he, he, he walked away from it. And it was just amazing to see uh, some of those external things like that. Um, this second stage that we continue with our mortal lives, God works what I would call on your internalized idolatry. Um, the external things, sometimes those are just easier to recognize, but a lot of those external things are controlled by internal things. So um, this second stage, then... I have um, in here, you are, you are not. <laughs> in, in this second stage, you are already declared righteous, but you are not yet what you will be. And this is the Christian life. You've been freed from sin's dominion, and so you're able to do good works, and you're actually able to do good works in good ways and for the right reasons. 
You're actually able to do good works that kind of check off all three boxes in what is a good work. Right? It's the right thing, it's the right thing done the right way, and it's done for the right purpose. Um, now, this red line here is our uh, sanctification. You may have steps of sanctification, and then you may fall back. You may have, you know, we, we call that backsliding, uh, backsliders. Uh, and uh, anyway, it, it, you know, it's, it's a pretty good term. Um, but uh, it, it, it's, it's this kind of ongoing deal. Um, so in Romans 6, 19, I'm speaking in human terms, your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So a Christian on their own before the Lord sets their calendar, their budget, their goals. Um, 2 Corinthians 3, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Maybe one of the best sanctification verses in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 3.18. He is using Moses as the illustration. And he's like, Moses would go into the tent and meet with God and he would take this veil off his face and he would, he would see this glory of God. It's a beautiful story. I mean, it just it, it, it tells us so much about like what we are to be. You know, Moses received this glory, and then as he left, it would fade. And so the story was he put the he put the uh, veil over his face, um, and part of it was to shield the people from it. But the other part was he didn't want them to know it was fading. Um, he wanted to wear a big baggy sweatshirt. It's winter. Yay, we love winter, right? Uh, he was like, my glory is fading, so I'll cover it. Um, and then Paul writes this. This is what we do when we come to worship. We unveil our face. And we behold the glory of God. And we are changed by it. Because advertisers know this. We become like that which we love. We, we, we become... Human beings become like the things that they love, right? When uh, Jordan Kuyper had posters from the Red Hot Chili Peppers in his room, and I was like, uh, did you buy this with your own money? Can I pay you back? <laughs> I, I don't want you looking at that. You know, I don't, I don't want uh, Cheryl Teagues on the, on, the, on the ceiling of, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want, that, that, that's not what I am beholding as glory. It's not the goal that I'm working towards. Um, and just as an aside, you see why idolatry and images and all of that stuff um, are forbidden in Christian worship. Because none of them behold the glory of God. They're all false substitutes made with human hands. Um, this continues through our life. Uh, gosh, I'm already done. Uh, let me just finish that point then. And... Um, We'll pick up after New Year's. Um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. He says, Let us also, like these witnesses, lay aside the weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance a race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross 
despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The third stage is completed at death. So uh, perfect holiness is what we will be um, when we are united with him. Um, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this promise, verse 21. Who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. And that's the end of sanctification. All right, so we'll pick up here uh, question five, the cooperative work of God and man.